Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Never assume any things. You inspect what you expect. Management company or contractor or sub broker that you're working with, that you hold them accountable just like you would if you're working directly with any subcontractor or anyone. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And with us today, we have the director of acquisitions at the Whitmire Group. How are you doing, Adam Whitmire? Joe, I'm doing great. Well, that's great to hear, my friend. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Adam. He has over 15 years of real estate experience in owning single and multifamily portfolios. His group has a single family fund where they're buying 30 to 40 homes a month. They're also developing three residential development projects in Georgia right now and do multifamily investing as well. He's based in Atlanta, Georgia. And with that being said, Adam, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. Joe, we had a lot of success in housing. So a few years ago, we were purchasing a number of single family homes in some stronger primary markets like Atlanta, which is we're based out of Atlanta. We've got a partner who's based out of California. We were buying single family in Atlanta and some of the stronger markets in the southeast. But when that market kind of dried up, basically after the recession, the market, as it grew stronger, 
and those cash flow, those returns couldn't be found at the yield that we were working with prior, we went back to one of the strategies that we had done previously before the recession, which was we had put together a matrix of about 240 different metros throughout the country, and we identified the markets that had a little bit lower inward migration. And in other words, they were mostly cash flow markets. You didn't have a lot of were high demand markets. The cash flow was very strong. And what we've noticed, one of the things that determines if it's a good cash flow market for us is that it's a diversified economy. It's not based, jobs aren't coming from like a single industry. So there's got to be enough diversification in there. But at the same time, we don't want areas that are in such huge high demand that we are going to not be able to purchase homes or have too much competition. So the way that works is that if you've got an area that everybody wants to live in, you have a supply and demand issue. Atlanta, for example, once we couldn't find any more homes that were cash flow in Atlanta, we focused on new construction and just started focusing on doing a few fix and flips. And then we started looking for land to develop subdivisions and build homes. And so basically we can build new product in that area, whereas we went over to areas like Alabama and Kansas City where they're not really high demand areas. People aren't moving in because of the job growth or explosion there. They're basically just good solid cash flow markets, and we've been able to get very good yields off of that. So from a strategy standpoint, we – we can believe that you know we can make money just about any market, but what you can do in a particular market changes, obviously. So we do our new construction in primary markets. Our strategy for the cash flow is focusing on secondary and tertiary markets. We purchase value-add properties, and we do value-add multifamily projects as well. So we will purchase those multifamily in the same markets that we purchase our single family. And that's the strategy that we're using currently, and it's working for us very well. With the cash flow markets, what is your business plan in terms of your company? Do you fix and flip, or do you buy and hold, or do you do a hybrid? Markets go through cycles, and because you can only do a certain type of real estate transaction successfully in certain markets, because we have the ability to do multifamily and single family, as well as new construction, rehabs, and existing holding portfolios, it allows us to stay in the market for a long time regardless of what the market looks like. So we do fix and flip in markets that have appreciation, that have good schools, areas where people want to live. So that's really where you get your growth. You know, real estate, it's basically if you have a lot of people wanting to live in a, a small geographical area, the prices go up in that area. If you've got a large geographical area and you don't have a lot of people coming in, your prices aren't going to appreciate. You're not going to have a lot of appreciation. For the most part, most everybody would rather have a new house than an older house, just like they'd rather have a new car than an older car. The only difference is where the house is located. And so for us, if it's in a strong market with good appreciation, we'll do fix and flip and we'll do new construction. If it's in a market where we're mostly focusing on yield, that means we want to get a lot of cash flow. We're trading out our appreciation. We're not worried about really a lot of long-term appreciation. A lot of times we'll get 1% to 2% appreciation, whereas in a stronger market we may get 5 or 6 or percent appreciation or even 8 depending on what's going on in the market at the time. So for strong, aggressive markets, 
That's what we do fix and flip. And honestly, though, it's challenging to get a large amount of volume of fix and flip in certain markets. It's almost easier just to build homes, find a track of land, develop the land, and build a number of houses. So for an investor that just wants to do a few homes, it's great. You can work in market in any strong markets. We focus on the southeast all the way out to Texas, the Sun Belt states. And Florida is a great market for flipping homes. There's always people moving into Florida, which makes a really good market. There's a lot of dynamics there that make it a good market. Atlanta is, because we have an office in Atlanta, we do a lot of fix and flip there. But you can only get so much volume. Really, there's a lot of competition. We find it more successful, basically, to build in Atlanta. So we'll build homes and we'll develop land in Atlanta. If you look at right now, multifamily in a lot of your strong markets like Dallas and Houston, or Orlando and Atlanta, multifamilies is really peaked out in a lot of areas. You have to get really high in price to get a decent value add project. And we focus mostly on B class, like strong C, C plus, and a lot of it's B class value add. Those are the type of projects we do, but single family new construction is still very low. I think there's going to be a strong demand for single family new construction projects for a good while. But when you go out of these stronger primary markets where you've got a lot of big populations and strong growing populations and you get into some of the secondary and tertiary markets like for us in Alabama, Montgomery and Huntsville, for those markets, you don't have a lot of competition. It's easy for us to find cash flow. We can go up to Kansas City and some of the areas of the Rust Belt states where the economies aren't really growing. The populations aren't growing very strongly. They're just at a moderate pace. We can go in there and we can find better deals on cash flow. But we typically would not go into a market like that and do focus on fix and flip. We just wouldn't do it. We wouldn't focus on new construction either. It's all cash flow. Multifamily cash flow works just fine as long as there's cash flow, which means there's a strong rental base and there's a diversified job market. That's basically how our strategy comes together. Where do you get the data to determine the rental base and the diversified job market? That is a great question. Well, now that we live in the information age, it's all over the place. Honestly, we would not be able to do what we do today in being so mobile to move into markets like we do and analyze them so easily if it weren't for all the data that's readily available. And there's a lot of databases out there. There's a lot of companies that will do, some of them will do the research for you. And there's a number of different companies online. Some of them do the research. There are places that will pull the information down from the census and from other government websites if you don't want to go to them directly. But I will tell you that though data is important, what we look at is we will look at the economic data and the demographic data in a particular location. But the most important data that we have to look at to see what are real estate and what are properties trading at currently? And to do that, we have to go to local MLSs and local public records. And on the single family side, that data is everywhere. The multifamily, there are a lot of companies that will do that research. But we only get so far with that data that we pull in to really know if what an area is like. You actually have to visit it. And so we have to spend a certain amount of time, like minimum, you've got to be able to go into a market and either be there maybe for a week or 10 days minimum talking to local business owners, talking to local brokers, property management companies when you're interviewing management companies, if that's part of our strategy at the time, 
we have to spend time talking to them, newspaper articles and clippings. We literally want to know what's going on in the community, where are the tax dollars being spent, and what it looks like and what the feel is. Once we've done that, then we can safely feel like, hey, we can go into this market. We can make money here. So we start with what information we can find online, whether it's just free information that we're pulling down from various different websites, whether it's broker information that we're pulling from, or whether it's like government, we're paying someone to do some research. There's a number of different companies out there that'll pull together. I mean, there's lots of them. And I'll tell you, there's always been a number of companies on the commercial side. Now that single family homes have become an asset class in the last few years, companies are constantly coming out of the woodwork with software and products and information to just provide that for the local investors or mid to larger fund investors. And so it's really not hard to find. So then it just comes down to interpreting the data. And again, once we get past that hurdle, that's not good enough. We've got to be in the market and spend some time there looking around, driving some areas. Once that's done, we get a feel for it. And if everything looks good, we go for it. We start implementing. What's the last deal you closed on? The last deal, we just closed on 125 units, multifamily in Macon, Georgia, which is not my favorite market, honestly. It worked out to be a very good deal that we purchased. We're just now closing out a fund as well, single-family homes that we purchased in in Alabama and Huntsville, Montgomery. So we like multifamily because of the way it's operated. It's easier to operate, in my opinion, from a long-term perspective. Single-family is a little bit more challenging and tricky. You've got to have your boots on the ground, but it's very lucrative if it's done properly. And doing the new construction is something that, we just really enjoy providing value and putting good product on the ground. And it's for a good long while, that's going to be a very good place to put money because there's a lot of demand there needed for new housing. Why isn't Macon, Georgia your favorite market? Because of it's basically a rental market. It's not a big demand market. The rental market itself is not very strong from what we've found in certain areas of Macon. And uh, that could be part of the demographics. That just be could be from where the jobs are coming from. But as far as like secondary or tertiary markets go, I would rather be somewhere closer to Savannah, honestly, probably even closer to Augusta. But the rents are low, and our experience with the tenants aren't very strong. And so that being said, though, you just closed on 125 units in Macon, Georgia. What was the opportunity that your team saw? We got a very good deal. So we weren't necessarily looking in Macon to find a deal. We had had some single-family homes in that area, so we did have some assets in the area that, so that we purchased because it's close enough to Metro Atlanta, and we had some management stuff down there, so we purchased those homes to get a good feel for the market. And then we realized, well, we don't really like this market that much. But along came an opportunity to purchase a multifamily complex, and because it was such a good deal, we had purchased it from a lender who had had to take it back. Their buyer had issues. I think the contractor maybe ran off with the money, and it was just kind of a big mess, which real estate is not a passive investment, and that's why you make good money in real estate. Even if you have a property management place or good contractors, you still have to manage the management company. You still have to manage the contractors, and you still have to hold them accountable just like you would if you were managing the subs directly or if you were collecting rent directly. If you can manage those people well, then you've got a good thing going. So either way, from a value standpoint, we purchased it 
well below market value. There was a good amount of value add that we could go in and rehab some units, put some tenants in them, and, and have a good bit of equity in it. And so we, if we want to keep the property and, and hold it long-term, we can, or we can sell it and take the equity and move into another market. Do you buy that with investors or your own money slash your family's money? We actually do both. The interesting thing is nobody has more money than they can spend. Once you find a niche or something, an area that you're good at and you have opportunities to purchase, what ends up happening inevitably is you spend all your money and then you still have more deals and you don't want to lose those. So then you go partner with other investors and you buy those too. And things evolve over time. We started with just really purchasing just to buy and hold. And then along the way, we found out, hey, there's some deals here. And so we started picking up more capital partners or going in with doing joint ventures with other investors. So it, it takes on its own dynamic. Things almost never go exactly how you plan them to go. But as long as they're going in the right direction, usually it's okay. But that's pretty much what happened with us. And what are the numbers on that deal? So this deal we purchased for about 1.8 or somewhere in the low 20s or the teens. and. On a per unit basis, right? Is that what you're referring to? On a per unit basis. Yep. Anytime we purchase anything that's a C class, and I would call this a C class, we're going to buy it somewhere in the teens. We're going to rehab it and we're going to turn around and we're going to, we would market a property like that somewhere around in the low 30s. So that's where our equity would end up being. Say you buy it in the low teens, so let's say 17K a unit. You know, we're going to put in, let me see, this particular unit. We put in 250000 and on average, it'll be about five or $6,000 a unit. And so we will typically be in on the high teens or low 20s. And a lot of assets will do a little bit more than that. What's been popular is to find a B-class asset where you don't have to do any major rehab. And that's honestly the strategy that most of other funds and, and a lot of our competitors and partners that we work with that's the popular strategy is to find a value-add B-class asset that you can just do a little bit of cosmetic work, spend, you know, 2500 to 5000 a unit to make it look enhanced the exterior and the interior, and then bring it up to market rents based upon the enhancements that you've made. But we have picked up a few, like we have a, another asset, I think it's 85 units over in Birmingham that we picked up. In that one, we probably picked it up, I guess, closer to in the teens per unit, we're going to sell it in probably in the mid-30s once the value add is done. And we'll, our all-in cost will be somewhere in the low 20s. And so we'll have about a $10,000, and this one actually might be closer to twelve dollars to $15,000 spread. It's just a smaller complex. We won't go into a new market and look at anything less than 150 to 200 units because it doesn't make sense logistically and from a management standpoint. But we'll go down as low as 30 or 40 units on a complex if it's an area that we're already buying multifamily because we've already got operations, boots on the grounds. We've already got the management in place. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, it's going to be really common sense. It's basically the best advice from a strategy standpoint is to buy low and sell high. But the challenge is people don't know how to implement that. So... I would say the best advice overall is to never assume anything. You inspect what you expect. Manage a company or a contractor or a broker that you're working with. 
that you hold them accountable just like you would if you're working directly with any subcontractor or anyone. Oversight, basically. Operating real estate comes down to oversight. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what that is, but... Well, good. That will make for entertaining responses then. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com. Best ever book you've read? Um... Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? <sighs> Making bad real estate investment deals. Well, by not giving enough oversight and the deal's not going well. Every bad deal I ever had was the best learning experience I ever had. The bigger the mistakes I made, the bigger learning experience it was. That was my education. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, best ever deal I've done. Um buying and selling a portfolio of single-family homes within a very short time and making a just ridiculous amount of money. It'll be that in a flipping a land deal. Those are the two best deals that I've ever done. Best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back on a daily basis. I'm just serving in my church or in the community, giving up not just money but time and serving my family. Giving them, devoting the time. I've got six children and devoting the time to them that they require. To me, that's the best way to give back. You mentioned a little bit ago, but uh, maybe specifically, what's one big mistake that you've made in real estate so far? Well, I would say one of the biggest mistakes would be going in business with partners that their business philosophies and mine are not aligned. That's the worst real estate deals I've done were created out of that environment. It's not really the real estate as much as the partners. I had two partners in two different situations that I was partnered with, but I'll never partner in that manner again with another investor or operator just because if them or one of their partners has a different philosophy on business and investing than I do, then I just won't do it. How do you attempt to screen that out moving forward? Spending a little bit of time together, you can figure most of that out in just some conversation lunches, going out, just spending some time together. And most of the time it becomes pretty evident. Or starting out on a very small deal, something that's like, you know, this is a simple deal, it's a no-brainer, let's just kind of see how this goes, and then see how the relationship goes. You always find out about people when things aren't going well. You find out who they really are and who their true character is. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? They can go to our website or they can get a hold of best way to get a hold of me is through email, Adam at the Whitmire Group dot com. You can also go to Whitmire WhitmireCapitalGroup.com or the WhitmireGroup.com. Using that email is the best way to get a hold of me. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can look me up on LinkedIn. All my contact information is there. Phone number, emails, all that. Well, Adam, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for talking through your approach for how you determine the strategy for the market based on what the market is generating from a demand in rental, a supply and demand for new homes in the market, and how diversified the economy is, as well as what's the real estate currently selling or trading for. And then also talking through your 125-unit case study in Macon, Georgia. Not your favorite market, but got it for a good deal relative to 
where properties are currently trading at. Bought it for about 17k or so a door, putting in about 5,000 a door, and goal is to have it worth in the low 30,000 or so a door. And there's where you get your equity spread. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com.